Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Laszlo Montgomery here, bringing you another season of Chinese sayings. We have 10 beauties all lined up for you this sixth season of this podcast show that seeks to offer you some of the great stories behind some of the well-known and not-so-well-known Chinese sayings. And over the next 20 weeks, you'll get to hear them all. And for the season six opener, I have the pleasure of offering up another one of my all-time favorites. I know I say that a lot because I have quite a few all-time faves, and this is one of them. Many of you have heard it before, but how about the story behind it? Oh yeah, you know the story? Well, which one? Because for our season opener, you're going to get two versions behind today's featured Chinese saying for the price of one. Jir sung ma huai. Let's break this one down. Jir means a finger if it's a noun, and it means to point if you use it as a verb. A sung is a white mulberry or just a mulberry tree. Morris alba, the botanical species that is associated with the silkworm, perhaps the most important animal species in China's commercial history. Ma means to verbally abuse, curse, swear, call names. You get the idea. And a huai, that's a species of tree called a Japanese pagoda tree, Sephora japonica. It's also known as a Chinese scholar tree, or a huai or guilty scholar tree. This might ring a bell because of the famous specimen planted in Jingshan Park behind the Forbidden City, Beijing, that the Ming Chongzhen Emperor used to hang himself on that sad day back in 1644. And I'm not sure why, since it's a different species, but a huai is also known as a locust tree. And you could go check the Pleco app on that if you want. Point, mulberry tree, scold, locust tree. Let's not guess what this means. Instead, we'll go straight to the original usage of jersang ma huai. And this comes to us straight from the 36 stratagems, the Sanshir liu qi. This book, along with Sunzi's Art of War, make up China's two most famous ancient works of military strategy. Now, these 36 stratagems work not only on the field of battle, but in politics and everyday relationships and situations. The 36 stratagems themselves can be traced back to the southern and northern dynasties of 420 to 598 A.D., there are six chapters to the book containing six stratagems each. The first three chapters of the 36 stratagems are referred to as winning strategies or strategies one might employ when they're in an advantageous position. And then the last three chapters are losing strategies or strategies reserved for when you're operating from a disadvantageous position, such as when your city has been surrounded by enemy troops. Our Jersang Ma Huai saying for this time comes from the last half of the book that explains how commanders were to deal with internal conflict within the ranks. Although the 36 stratagems were passed down through the centuries, they were only formally edited and collected into a book sometime during the Ming or Qing dynasties. The 36 stratagems gives this example of a famous general using the Jersang Ma Huai strategy. And the star of our tale is Tian Rangju, also known as Sima Rangju. He's been compared to Jiang Ziya, who you no doubt 
recall from the China History Podcast, episode 258, Tian Rangju, he lived during the long reign of Duke Jing of Qi, 547 to 490 BC, spring and autumn period. Tian Rangju was quite the talented man who sought refuge in the kingdom of Qi after his own kingdom was invaded and destroyed. The kingdom of Qi, present-day Shandong province, had been suffering a series of defeats, and the ruler, Duke Jing, wanted to shake things up within the army by hiring some new generals. Someone recommended Tian Rongju to him. After interviewing him, the Duke of Qi was very impressed and immediately offered him command of a whole army. But Tian Rongju, he wasn't born yesterday, and he said to Duke Jing, My lord, I don't come from the nobility of this country, and I'm worried that if you put me, a commoner, in charge of military officials and an army, well, no one will obey my commands. I suggest that you appoint a trusted official as my co-commander so that people will respect our collective authority. The Duke of Qi saw the wisdom in this statement and appointed one of his favorite officials, Zhuang Jia, as Tian Rangju's co-commander. Tian Rongju immediately went to Zhuang Jia's house to inform him. The two agreed that they would meet at noon the next day at the army camp to take over command. Now, Zhuang Jia is a powerful official, and he had a lot of friends in high places, and he wanted to celebrate his promotion to commander, and his friends insisted to throw him a farewell party. So early the next day, Zhuang Jia's friends all showed up at his house and started making merry. Zhuang Jia drank bowl after bowl of wine and ignored his servants' urgent reminders that it was time to depart from the military camp. Meanwhile, Tian Rongju had arrived well before the appointed meeting time of noon, and he had already organized some of the camp's affairs and set out new patrol times. Then, he had all his soldiers get into formation, ready to depart the camp and set off to war. When Zhuang Jia didn't arrive at noon, he sent someone to inquire after him. To pass the time productively while waiting, he began to drill the soldiers. The messenger from the camp arrived at Zhuang Jia's house to hurry him. But Zhuang Jia was, at the height of his merrymaking, was annoyed by this messenger. Go away! New commanders always take things too seriously. What's a few more minutes? Saying this, he sent the messenger away. After Tian Rongju finished drilling the soldiers, Zhuang Jia had still not appeared. Tian Rongju arranged the soldiers in formation again, ready to depart, and sent another messenger to Zhuang Jia. By this time, all the men at Zhuang Jia's house were well and truly drunk. Zhuang Jia saw another military messenger and slurred, Oh, not another one. Tell him we'll be done in a minute. At the military camp, the sun was setting. Another messenger arrived to tell Tian Rongju that his army was needed quickly since there was an enemy invasion at a nearby town. Tian Rongju decided to go himself to get Zhuang Jia. Just as he was mounting his horse, Zhuang Jia, so drunk he was, he was swaying on his feet, he staggered into the camp. Tian Rongju was furious and asked Zhuang Jia where he had been. Zhuang Jia said, Oh, just drinking with a few friends who came to send me off. Eh, no big deal. 
Tianrongqu began to berate Zhuangjia. The day a military official receives his command, he should forget his obligations to his colleagues and friends. By the time he has arrived at camp, he should forget his duty to his father and mother. By the time the battle drums sound and he rides into war, he should forget even his instinct to save his own life. The kingdom of Qi faces enemy invasions every day, and even the duke of Qi himself can barely eat or sleep from worry. Just in the last few hours, we've received news that another town is under attack. How can a general even think of farewell drinks at such a time? He summoned an officer in charge of martial law and asked him, How do we deal with a soldier who is late to his post? The officer replied, Well, the penalty for lateness is death. Zhuang Jia panicked and immediately sent someone to the Duke of Qi to plead for his life. But Tian Rongju was not about to wait for the Duke of Qi to send word back. He had already wasted too much time that day. Without further ado, he had Zhuang Jia dragged to the middle of the camp where everyone could see, and he sliced off his head. Almost as soon as Zhuang Jia's head rolled off his shoulders, an emissary from the Duke himself barged into the camp at top speed in a horse-drawn carriage, causing great disorder amongst the soldiers. The Duke says not to behead Zhuang Jia, panted the emissary. Tian Rangji replied to him, As a military general appointed in a time of emergency, I have the right to judge what is done in my own camp. He then turned to the martial law officer and asked, What is the penalty for someone who disrupts the camp by driving horses into the soldiers? The penalty is death, said the officer. Well, I cannot behead one of the duke's own emissaries, said Tian Rongju. But to teach him a lesson, his footman shall be killed and his carriage broken. So in front of everyone, the emissary's footman was beheaded and one side of the carriage was smashed. Now everyone knew that Tian Rongju was not to be trifled with. Seeing that their general was so determined, no one dared to even think about stepping out of line. Tian Rongju, leading the most well-disciplined army in China, was easily able to drive out the invaders. And by publicly berating and punishing Zhuang Jia and the emissary, he had shown the whole army that he was a general to be feared and respected. In the 36 stratagems, the annotation to the strategy of pointing at the mulberry while cursing the locust tree goes like this. Da Ling Xiao Zhe Jing Yi Gang Zhong Er Ying, Xing Xian Wei Shun. Control those under you by providing a suitable deterrent for bad behavior. Demonstrating an appropriate amount of force can turn a precarious situation into an advantageous one. It's also been translated as in order to discipline, control, or warn others whose status or position excludes them from direct confrontation. Use analogy and innuendo. Without directly naming names, those accused cannot retaliate without revealing their complicity. Now, the other and much more popular version concerning the provenance of Zhisang Ma Huai comes to us courtesy of Cao Xueqin's classic novel, Dream of the Red Chamber. From the story of Tian Rongju, we could see how Cao applied, pointing at the mulberry while cursing the locust tree, to express misdirected anger. In the Dream of the Red Chamber version, Zhisang Ma Huai is used by these old household servants who 
express their petty discontent towards the master by complaining about another household servant whom the master favored. They dared not risk any backlash or counterattack by openly and directly complaining about someone. Instead, they pointed to someone else, and by making this remark, it's clear what they really meant. But if you do employ the tactic and someone hits back at you, well, you still have a small fig leaf covering your plausible deniability. And if you're like some people I know, I won't name names, you can actually counterattack by denying what you said isn't what you meant, even though it was. This one, if you're in a relationship with anyone, you got to be vigilant because you might be a victim one day or victimize someone else. Point at the mulberry tree and scold the locust tree, used in cases where a direct verbal attack leaves you exposed in the event of any pushback. So rather than directly making your caustic remarks to the one intended, you criticize something or someone else who can stand in as a proxy to make your point clear. You know, and the stand-in for the mulberry tree both know who you're talking about. But if they say, hey man, what the... Well, you could immediately raise your hands and say, hey dude, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about that locust tree over there. Yeah, I don't know about the frequency with which this particular Chinese saying is used, but the act described in Sang Ma Huai, especially the Dream of the Red Chamber version, gets used in all kinds of life situations. All embracers of the science of passive aggression keep this one in their utility belt for occasional use. Okay, that's going to be it, my friends, for episode one of this new season. Nine more good ones coming, I assure you. And for all the heavy lifting behind the scenes, I'd like to send a CSP shout-out to good old Emma, doing everything she does so well to make this modest little production one of the top-rated Chinese sayings podcasts in the hit parade and billboard charts. Thanks, Emma. This here's Laszlo Montgomery once again signing off from the sunny and baking hot drought-stricken climes of Los Angeles, California. Do consider coming back again next time for another story behind a useful and interesting Cheng Yu here at the Chinese Sayings Podcast.